Hi everyone, welcome to the Right Angle Podcast. This is the podcast that focuses on the process of design, where each episode I will highlight one exceptional creative individual with unique perspectives and experiences within the world of spatial design through actual conversations about their design principles, philosophy, and process. I want to discover what makes each designer, artillier, and artist unique. I'm your host, Al Liu, an interior designer in New York City. In the world that celebrates influencers, The Right Angle will be a podcast that celebrates real designers who makes the industry what it is, and for listeners to get a glimpse into the true creative mind. In this episode, I'm really excited to have Francis Coloso, Design Director at Eileen Studio, as my guest. As a multidisciplinary, woman-owned and operated design practice based in Brooklyn, New York City, Eileen Studio is a group of creatives who believe experience can be an art form. They design spaces that honor history and culture, attention to detail as well as individual sensibility. Founded in 2016, Eileen Studio has worked with a diverse set of clients, ranging from Kimpton Hotels to Dovetail & Co. to Kind Body, and their works has been featured in numerous publications including HD Magazine, Fast Company, Contract Magazine, Arc Daily, and El Decor. Francis has over 12 years of experience across all the spectrum of interior design. Prior to Eileen Studio, she was a senior interior designer at Roman Williams and ethnic specialist and senior interior designer at Rockwell Group. Throughout her career, Francis has managed successful projects for industry leaders such as Ace Atelier, Sedell Group, Ian Trigger Company, and Union Square Hospitality Group. Frances is an expert in custom furniture design, sourcing, and curation. During her time at WeWork as lead product designer, she developed the physical products and brand standards for their unique, community-focused co-working spaces. I am extremely excited to catch up with Frances today and discuss her design philosophies, her passion for custom furniture design, as well as how she curated a healthy work environment as a director. Hi, Frances. Welcome to the Red Angle Podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Elle. It's so nice to talk with you. It's been a while. I know. It's been a while, and I'm sure we have a lot to, you know, catch up with. So I always start each episode by, you know, asking my guests their design philosophy. So could you tell us a little more about that? And what are some of the design principles, you know, you have that helps you make decisions? Sure. So my motivation is usually based around like an intersection between history and personal experience. Um, like good design is based on being a student of history, design history, furniture history, art history, history of community. Um, really great design, I think, is creating something that like creates that spark, creates nostalgia, creates a real emotional connection. Um, it create, it really starts with me or my team first. Uh, if we feel that spark, if we feel that wow moment, we can help the clients or the guests feel that same wow moment. So what are some of those wow moments that normally inspire you? I think it's like if you are sitting down in a restaurant and you're kind of experiencing an amazing 
like material at the table. The table is this fantastic marble, or maybe you're noticing a light fixture above you. Maybe you walk into your guest room and there's somewhere right away for you to hang your coat, or there's an amazing like little uh, door hanger that says, come back soon, or mm -hmm. it's these little, little things. moments. Yeah, that you're experiencing uh, that feel personal that you have a tactile sensory relationship with. So why do you think that's sort of like really important um, as part of your design? Um, yeah, for me, design is, is personal. Um, I think personal that everyone can relate to. Everyone has these experiences. Personally, I feel like um, I grew up in a pretty uh, kind of working class background and hospitality, especially, which is what uh, I really have a passion for, hospitality and furniture design. Um, that's something that's like special occasion. It's, uh, you go out to dinner, you go out to a hotel, and that's like something that doesn't happen as often. And creating those moments for people is uh, a celebration. It is something that people walk away with and they have like a memory and they can reminisce about it and it's nostalgia and they take photos. And um, that's a real privilege. Not everybody gets to have a privilege of creating that kind of imaginary imagination moments for people. Right. That's great. You had to sort of like um, part of your, you know, principle or design philosophy is like you try to create those memorable experience for other people when they have the opportunity or the privilege to go to the places or like you designed. Yeah, I think. Um, and I've kind of always been interested in art history. Uh, as long as I can remember, I've, been completely in love with uh, art. I was a complete art nerd growing up, um, always drawing and painting. And then when I went to FIT uh, as a, a college student, I took courses in interior design and furniture survey. So interior design and furniture history. And this like entire world opened up to me of like quirky, uh, interiors and furniture that I yeah. kind of never knew existed. It's something that only really opens up to you when you start studying as a student. And it really uh, seemed to bring those two worlds together for me. Um, it kind of, I, I fell in love with the study of um, furniture at that time and, and the history of it. It really felt like something that I would be able to have like a lasting relationship with and really felt like I could become an expert in. Mm. So what are some of the history of furniture or interior that really leave a sort of like an impact or inspiration on you? What are some of those? Hmm. So I, I remember in college when we started learning about Victorian furniture and how each piece of Victorian furniture, they had a like a piece of furniture for everything. They had a piece of like a tete-a-tete, -tete, which is the piece of uh, seating where two people are kind of facing away from each other, but that was like to have a conversation. And they had special chairs just for your vanity, a special chair just for shaving, a special chair. Like everything felt like so micro focused and so detailed and I just felt like that was um, just so quirky and interesting and uh, so far away from the way we design now and yeah 
yeah, I, I, I felt like that was like, wow. Um, I want to learn about like why that was. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it felt like something that I never learned about before and that I wanted to, wanted to have that inform my process. And you talk a little bit about your, you're really passionate about art and like history. So did that sort of like influence how you later on like see design or, you know, think about design anyway? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that if we as designers were not informed by the world around us and we were just going out there and doing our own thing all the time, then, then we would not be necessarily designers, then we would be artists. And I felt like I made a real conscious decision to be a designer because I wanted to be informed by things like history, by science, um, and by people uh, and the way pe that people live. So I think specifically those things that they really inform my my process a lot. Like I, I want to create functional pieces of furniture, functional, um, useful spaces that are just as, as useful as they are beautiful, interesting, that create that spark. Um, otherwise they, they really are just art pieces, which is great, but not, not, um, not what I've, personally set up to do. Yeah. I think that's really, you know, I think a good designer really can design something that's like beautiful and pleasant on the eyes, but also very, very functional. And then you use it. So it's like just makes sense. Yeah, I I think that I'm always kind of surprised by the industry and how it tests us as <laughs> uh not just designers, but we are expected to kind of like understand some elements of ergonomics. We're supposed to understand certain elements of history. Uh, we're supposed to be able to do a little bit of accounting. We're supposed <laughs> to um, certainly do business. We need to pitch our ideas. Right. Um, we have to wear a lot of hats, especially as you kind of uh, get a little bit more experience and as you move on through the industry, you kind of really learn that like, I need to, I need to really know a lot of different things it's not just making beautiful items it's not just creating a beautiful right. scene um i really need to uh create create it sell it be able to understand that it works the physics uh and that is part of what's exciting about interior design it, at least to me is that you're always challenged um every day I am challenged <laughs> and I've been working for a little, little bit of time. So um, I think that that at least has, uh, has been a reoccurring theme with uh, my colleagues and everyone I've worked with is that you keep coming back, even though it's a really, really challenging job at times, you keep coming back for more because uh, that keeps it interesting. Yeah, I think especially for hospitality design, because, yeah. you know, like every project is so different. You can work on the project in the United States and the next one is like overseas. So it's a completely different culture. So you have to learn all about that and to be able to come up with a concept that's fitting to, you know, the local environment and everything. Yeah, you need to learn about cultures and you need to like even just the mathematics of it. You need to take your knowledge of like for me, I grew up here. 
in the US and I've been working on imperial measurements my whole life. So I, I mean, the first time somebody sat me down and said, okay, you're working on a project in, I think the first um, metric project I ever did was in Canada. It's not that big of a deal, but it was in um, like Montreal. So they work in metric. I, I had no words. I, I'm, I was like, oh no, I, I don't know. This is a whole other thing. Um, so, and it's like, these are all experiences you don't learn in school. Um, the best way to learn anything in interior design, um, besides just the basics, is to get out there and just try it. Right. It's so different. Um, so that's why it's like, I feel like internship is so important because unless you try it, you actually never know how this industry is like because it's so yeah. different than having a theoretical project. Absolutely. Now, every job is really different. Every right. even experience you have at each job is different um, because you have different dynamics with different people. You have different responsibilities mm -hmm. every job. Different clients. Yes, definitely different clients. Um, so you kind of mentioned that a little bit about uh, you're really passionate about FME and custom furniture. And then I know you're the FME sort of like expert and at Rockwell, you're the go-to person sort of like for the entire studio if anyone have any questions about custom furniture. So, so what makes you so passionate about that? And so like, what do you enjoy the most about FME and like working on custom furniture design? Yeah, FF&E um, kind of has been, been my passion uh, for probably my entire career. Uh, I've been trying to like weasel my way into it uh, <laughs> uh, because it's, it's tough to kind of like find your way to be that, like, please come to me. I am the FF&E person in the office. Um, I, I got an FF&E, like, or I got a furniture-based uh, internship in college and I felt like I won the lottery. I uh, got an internship with John Hushmand and I was like so happy. Oh. I, I almost cried. Um, did you work with him a lot? I did. I worked with him, but I mean, I was in the office and I was doing internship sort of things. So it's like, I was there. There were lots of interns. I can't say that like my position was like special or treasured. Um, the last time I spoke to him was like at Rockwell and he, he does completely remember me. I was there for a year and a half, but like, I was an intern, <laughs> um, but anyway, like I felt like, wow, I've made it. I'm in the industry. Um, it's an unpopular opinion with uh, my friends who are architects, but I feel that like FF&E is the most important part of a design. So uh, because exactly what we were talking about before, it's what you're touching. It's what you're up close and personal with. It's what your senses are experiencing first and foremost. Um, especially in hospitality, right? Because these are the things that you can really have a creative fun with. Mm -hmm. And when you're seeing these up close in a space and you walk away, this is what I feel like you're remembering and that's creating that memory. Um, no one, in my opinion, is reminiscing uh, back when they're like away from the space a couple of years later, no one's reminiscing about uh, like the reveal, the shadow reveal between like a base and the floor. Um, no one's reminiscing about like the cove at the ceiling. Uh, and, and they might be beautiful and they might be like artistically uh, executed, but I think when you're walking in and you see like a chair that's upholstered in this incredible custom fabric, like you're gonna be like, wow, this is so cool. This color is amazing. Or you're seeing uh, a fantastic light fixture, like light being so important. Oh my um, yeah, so these are the things that you are 
perceiving at a human scale. And that's why I think it's so impactful. Yeah. I feel like, you know, architecture, either detail or bigger gestures, right? It's really like setting the stage. Yeah. And what is, you know, like people actually interact with is the FME and like those furniture, those little details, right? That's something we can hold on and grab and touch at all the time. Yeah. So I think that's super, super important. Yeah. Um, I know that I feel like those are also the most enjoyable pieces for me to personally work on is the pieces that really you can actually touch the tactile pieces the pieces especially in a hard material um i'm very partial to like designing something like a case good or a table because you can almost have um, a molding or sculptural relationship Uh with the piece so what do you enjoy the most when you sort of working on those pieces i really like understanding the design kind of language that you're developing in the space so What is kind of the language that we're working with? What are the materials that we're working with? Are we working with mixed metals or are we working with like just black metals? Like are we a powder coated steel? And then what kind of wood are we working with? What kind of stone are we working with? And how can we use a language of design informed by maybe some historic references maybe it's a mix of historic references or maybe it's something that's informed by pop culture Mm -hmm. Um, and how can we mix all these things together to create something that is like a layered piece of furniture that really represents the concept kind of all in one tight packet Mm -hmm. can you give us like examples or like you went through this sort of like uh what do you just talk about this like process and give us an example about Uh, experience, past experience you had on designing something? Sure. So yeah, um, I worked on the hotel at Ace New Orleans. So I was the senior designer at uh, Roman and Williams while we were designing Ace New Orleans. The pieces that are in the guest rooms are pieces that I had the privilege of designing. And yeah, it's such like probably one of my favorite experiences as far as designing uh, a guest room, especially. Mm-hmm. And there is an armoire in um, uh, guest rooms that has painted panels at the doors. And the armoire itself is kind of uh, almost like a combination of two different like obscure art deco like proto art deco armoires that um i found out at like looking at auction websites um then we sketched that out then we decided to reach out to local uh scad alumni or current students and ask them to paint the panels that would be inset into the doors so there, each uh, panel in every single room for every single piece is hand-painted by an individual um, artist at SCAD or regionally. Even if they were alumni, they were like regional. So we felt like this piece had a relationship stylistically with the room because they had a lot of like proto art 
deco influences, something like, like a lo-fi art deco. And it had this feeling of a regional art moment, um, which is important as though it is actually economically putting money yeah. into the community, which right. is something that I think so many designers that I work with feel really strongly about. And it actually represents pictorially the New Orleans landscape. Like it had beautiful swamp landscapes, um, stuff that is so unique to that area. So it kind of was this great um, melding of all these elements of what we were trying to represent in that room. And uh, I, I mean, since it's obviously not my painting, like I'm, I'm somebody who, just like any designer, we're taking different pieces of uh, culture, history, art, science, and we're trying to bring them together. Um, right. Uh, we're just like kind of a really, really good collage artist. Right. <laughs> but spatially. Yeah. Three-dimensional. Yes. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so how was the experience at Roman William compared to, because I feel like you work in a lot of the, you know, like the firm where people wanted to go to, right? Like Roman Whelan, uh, Rockwell Group. So how was the past experience uh, like? Um, yeah, uh, so I, yeah, Roman and Williams, I, I, I jumped around a little before I went to that job. My first job um, ever before school was like a few years um, at a very, very small firm where I shadowed an architect essentially like every single day. He would redline all my drawings like a million times. He had infinite patience. And I like am just always indebted to him for how much I learned at that job, but it was a crazy job. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I jumped around a little. I worked at a couple small firms and then I ended up at Roman and Williams because I had a uh, woman who I graduated school with and she was there and she's like, apply, I applied, got it. And I spent three years at Roman and Williams. And again, I learned so much. Um, not only did I learn so much about drawing furniture, which was something that I did not have a lot of experience with. I drew a lot of millwork before that job, but not a lot of like freestanding upholstery, freestanding case goods. That's different. Um, it is. So I, they kind of like, it gave me this kind of infinite amount of knowledge that a lot of history I learned there. Um, it really like plugged into a lot of what I wanted to learn. I got there. Um, incredibly talented staff, incredibly, incredibly disciplined environment, also incredible projects, right? Mm -hmm. They work on so many Ace Hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they still did. And then Ace kind of started doing a little bit more with their in-house atelier um, in the past few years. Yeah. So, because I, I know, like, I mean, just based on what I see, what Roman Willens uh, projects are. I mean, there's so many New York restaurants, right? They're so super like layered and Very have layered. so much depth. So is that something ingrained in sort of like the studio and their sort of like their look in a way? Definitely. Yeah. And as the studio moved on, even in my time there, they started being more and more layered. Um, it started really leaning into that. We had a woman there, Tanya, who was like, incredibly talented at accessories sourcing she had a background in fashion and she just could 
she just had incredible connections with all these different vendors and sources and in antique like auction houses all over like the Northeast. She was incredible. Um, she, I believe she's still there and she, I like incredible uh, just woman to follow and uh, check out. Um, I can always say that like I owe them a debt because it is somewhere where I learned it's kind of my next steps. Like it taught me what I, where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And um, it taught me incredible skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to get into your current company, you know, Eileen Studio and your current role as the design director a little more. So what are some of the exciting projects or like Eileen Studio is currently working on? So we are, we have a lot of really exciting projects. Um, so during COVID, we're, we're a really small studio. We were really um, stressed. We didn't know if we'd make it through COVID, honestly. So when projects started to come in, after we had sent out a million proposals to everyone, we were stalking people on LinkedIn. It, it was so good to see that our hard work was paying off. So I just want to put it out there that for anybody who is um, still really working toward getting more work as a freelancer or getting more work um, or working to get more responsibility in your office, like. Um, keep it up because it does pay off. Uh, and we have started work on two skincare studios in Manhattan. We have been working for just about a year and a half on a uh, sizable, very, very unique hotel project um, on the Bowery in Manhattan. Oh, wow. Yeah. Congrats. That's big. Incredible. Yeah, it is really big. Um, we are also working with a new fertility concept in Toronto. And um, I we're starting a couple of beer halls very soon. So uh, that's just like what's brand new. We have a lot new thing, not a lot of new things that are also coming down the track. Right. So like you kind of mentioned you just like reach out to people on LinkedIn and like email people to get projects? Um, I have to say that uh, Ashley also has a lot of typical hospitality connections, such as like we have an amazing um, friend, literally like she texts with Ashley all the time at uh, Kimpton. And we have been working with Kimpton as a result of kind of that really special um, connection. And we have been working on a hotel in Grenada uh, for Kimpton. Um, we are in a model room process on that. So we do have some like more normal hospitality connections, but when you're small, you have to typically reach out to other small companies um, in order to get the sorts of projects that are of kind of equal scale. Um, but Otherwise, it's a lot of word of mouth. If you have a client that really loved your work, um, enjoyed working with you, such as the sawmill project we did in New Mexico, that opened up a lot of doors for us because that client reached out to other clients, reached out to other clients. Um, and we do have projects that come from that relationship. Otherwise, we do have to put a lot of, um, a lot of FaceTime in, uh, just trying to get uh, connections on our own and we're good with that like 
it's part of the interesting aspect of having a small business is going out there and deciding what kind of work do I want to be doing? Like what kind of clients do I want? Which is really unique and we really, we really like it. And even our, uh, our designers do that as well. They tell us like, this is who I want to reach out to. Oh, that's so cool. Like everyone have a saying, sort of like, absolutely. oh, what do we want to work on as a future project? Yeah, absolutely. It's really important that everyone is part of that process. Mm-hmm. And I do want to get into more detail about the process. So what's the design process like at Eileen Studio? Yeah, um, I actually think that this is what makes us really unique. Um, what Island Studio does that very few other studios do is we have a very intense strategy phase that comes previous to the concept phase. Really? And yeah, and what we like to do is spend a couple weeks, maybe more, depending on the scale of the project, and we completely uh, research. We get into who is a part of the community where the project will be who are the vendors who are already in the community um, who are the makers that are manufacturing there we often will actually go and travel to where the project will be and we'll stay there and we'll actually interview people we will be secret shoppers we'll do a very in-depth report that reflects what we've learned and we'll present that and that becomes the basis of the concept phase and this is something that we feel just becomes this real foundation of the concept where we can build a concept from it that feels like it's based in fact it's not based in i saw photos on the internet i i don't really like i've never been there so many projects that I've worked on at other firms, um, they are just based on like what I see online or they sent me a bunch of photos from the site and that's what I've got to go on. Um, it's got to be something that you've experienced as a person. It needs to be person focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, then our concept is a very layered concept. Um, what we try to do is we find us maybe a style of architecture that's influencing us or a historic architecture that's influencing us. Then we find um, maybe an art, uh, like an art period or an artist that influences us. And we find a programmatic element that's influencing us. We layer all these on top of one another and we try to create a concept that is extremely unique to this project so that it has this ownable feeling that it doesn't feel like it's straight off Pinterest. It doesn't feel like the competitor. It feels like something that the competitor is going to want to copy. It's really um, ownable for that client. So why you think the strategy part is so important? Like how long normally does that take? You know, so it sounds like use that as a research and then the concepts really is just comes easy because it's based on so many research and personal experience, right? Yeah. Um, Well, I think oftentimes if you're doing a concept, we don't want it to just be, uh, we like this because it looks good. Um, A lot of concepts can just be like, okay, we're doing a Japanese restaurant. Japanese restaurant means it's going to be indigo. It's going to be, um, 
Japanese characters. <laughs> we really wanted to be informed by that exact location, that community. It should feel like people from that community want to go there. They want to be regulars. Um, and it should feel like people visiting that community, that's somewhere that stands out. Uh, it, we don't want to be creating a space that feels like an invader. It should feel like it's built by the community. Can we incorporate art that the community is making, just like I was able to do with that project in New Orleans? Can we incorporate maybe, like, is there a florist that's local? Can we style with those flowers? We did that at Sawmill, um, which is uh, Island Studios' New Mexico project. Uh, we uh, completely styled that project with local pottery. And that's because we went to New Mexico. We were able to meet this like local um, Hanselman potter. Uh, that's what it's called. And they had these amazing, beautiful pieces and it's inspiring. So you were really interesting strategy phase. Not only is it great for where the project is, um, and it creates a longevity, it creates uniqueness, but it actually also inspires you as a designer. You feel like you have like two steady legs to stand on. Right. So how long does this process take? And your clients are, sounds great. They sort of like give you this opportunity to do, do this. We have to roll it into the scope. Um, and everybody's different. Like clients, as we said before, all different. So right. it's something that you really have to sell when you're selling the scope of the project. That's part of being a designer. So it's actually surprisingly easy to sell because I think um, when you're going through how much it's going to benefit the project itself, the longevity of the project, it's going to bring people to your, to your restaurant, to your food hall, to your hotel. Um, it, it does really read to the client. The client understands uh, that it translates really easily. Depending on the project, it can take anywhere from, I would say, minimum two weeks uh, for something that's like local, like we know New York, we can just go there, um, to four weeks if it's New Mexico, for example, so or like Grenada. So um, yeah, I, I think it's it's absolutely worth it. it also means that the concept maybe doesn't need to be as long. So right. it's really a matter of helping the client understand this this really rich benefit. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of times from my experience, like the concept, sometimes you redo it. So I think that also help sort of like preventing after the whole concept, you're like, oh, this is not what we want. Like we all part of the discussion before, right? So it's like also preventing yeah. that to happen. I think that's actually really smart. Yes, yeah. This creates um, a kind of pre-concept. You show it to the client. They really understand. They understand who their, their customer is. They understand their community and they feel like they're on a, the same page with you. We very much prioritize collaboration with the client in a way that I even as a designer who's been working for a while, had to get more used to. Like, mm -hmm. you think you're collaborating with the client, but- They don't think so. <laughs> until you're actually collaborating with the client, right. um, you're not. Like, we are really showing the client uh, progress all throughout the design phases. 
we are really interviewing the client throughout the strategy phase. We are making them understand they are part of the team and that makes them truly feel like they're, that our design fee is completely worth it. Mm, that's great. I think so many, like that's what every studio says, right? We do collaboration, but of course you do. You, no one's going to go there and say, well, the designer, we know the best, right? But like who actually delivered that? I think it's very few actually. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, you know, I do notice that besides hospitality projects, you guys also work with sort of like startups to sort of like reinventing their brick and mortar space. So could you tell us some example about uh, working on a startup project? Sure. So um, Ashley started our studio island about a year and a half before I came on. And the startups uh, started to approach her through connections that she had made before I came on. And once they got rolling um, and you get one out into the world, it seems as though that uh, if you get maybe a little bit of press, they start rolling in from there, which is uh, very much a blessing. Um, and once I came on, I was able to utilize a little bit of what I learned from my time in-house at WeWork. Uh, I had done product development with WeWork. I designed everything from like their modular phone booth to custom fabric to just kitchen millwork, absolutely everything. And we have been like longtime friends and former colleagues, Ashley and I, and now we are kind of speaking that startup language and it's become about half of our client base. Um, it's been very nice to have a focus on these kind of unconventional startups that want to change whatever industry they're in, right? So Bond Vet, for example. By the way, I love that space. I passed that Thank so many so times. Much. And I didn't realize until I saw your website, I was like, you guys designed it. Because I passed it so many, it was so cute. Yeah, so Bond Vet, um, I think when I joined Island, we had only had one location and we now have five locations. We have four in New York City, I think, two in Brooklyn or maybe just one in Brooklyn um, and one on Long Island. Yeah, so Bontvet is one of our best clients far and away. Fantastic, just great communication, great relationship with them. And they have passed on their recommendation of us to others and it's been so positive for us. We have started working with a couple of fertility startups and kind body obviously has really broken out they have done fantastic work here in the city they have gotten a lot of press and we started getting uh, approached by a lot of other fertility startups um a lot and they unfortunately wanted a lot of what kind body is already doing but what we really want to focus on as a firm is we really want to continue to work with brands that want to have something that is ownable for them, right? And we got approached by the fertility startup we're working with now in Toronto. And something like Kind Body does not exist there. And the look and feel of what they want is completely different than Kind Body. 
And that was very inspiring to us uh, to kind of completely flip the look and feel, completely flip the client experience um, of even something we had done before. So that was really inspiring and really interesting to us. Uh, so that, that was something we, we were excited to take on. Yeah. So what are sort of like the difference between, you know, working, having a traditional, more like hospitality brand or real estate client, you know, as client compared to startup client? What are some of the differences? I'm sure there's, they're very different. A huge, huge difference is client education. Uh, a typical hospitality client, like working with Kimpton, Kimpton knows the design process inside and out. Mm. Um, we, we pitch the design, we do it on a video call, we do it in person. They, they know um, what the deliverables will be, what to expect. They know uh, that there's concepts, there's schematic, there's design development, there's construction administration. They know that. If you're talking to a startup, who has never done brick and mortar before, they have no idea. They don't know what an interior designer's responsibilities are versus an architect versus a purchasing mm. agent. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, we are not only their interior designer, we are like holding their hand and we're like, it's gonna be okay. Um, and we have to be like really positive and pleasant and um, we need to be, you know, their their guide about it um right and we need to make sure that they're not going to lose a lot of money because if you have somebody entering this business trying to make a brick and mortar space happen especially manhattan or a city you know it's very easy to see their wallet disappear right <laughs> in front of them not from us but you know from a contractor or they might have scope that's overlapping um, but we, what we really care about first and foremost is that uh, everyone comes out happy in the end, that the space looks like what they dreamed about, that they didn't know they needed. So that, the relationship is, is number one. Right. I think startups such a, for the design world is like technically speaking, it's still relatively new. So yeah. not a lot of, you know, traditional design agency have taken on projects from startup so it's very i'm sure it's like a really brand new experience for you guys to start working on that even though startup have been i mean this industry existing for a really long time but like no one really getting to the design agency aspect yeah i feel like um actually at we work we were touching upon this notion that every space should feel a little bit like a hospitality space, right? Everything should feel a little bit designed. Everything should feel welcoming. Um, it should all feel uh, like it has this layer of boutique hospitality on it. Um, and that became the expectation for a lot of spaces that had never been hospitality before, like your office, mm -hmm. like your doctor's office. Um, and with that, like all of commercial design changed and expectations changed. Um, now, like having doctor's offices out there like Rockwell's Tia that they designed um, and Kind Body, uh, it's like this entire industry is trying to have this hospitality face because it makes you feel more comfortable. Um, and 
I, I'm sure there's a driver of your, you're spending money, even at the doctor's office, you're spending money. And this will make you feel like perhaps it's a space worthy of spending money in. Um, this is a space like an office. This is a space that values you. You're going to want to work here. Bonfet really, they, a huge driver of why they wanted to look like they do um, is because they actually wanted to attract talent. They wanted to attract employees, not necessarily just clients. They yeah. wanted to attract um, really good vets to come work there and be happy working there. Um, so it's a, everybody is looking through that hospitality lens right now. See, that's such a good point. Like if your office have a good environment for the people to be there, like people wanted to work there, right? You can attract more talent. That's such a something I never thought about. And if you're a, a really good, well-versed hospitality designer, mm-hmm. it can really propel you into creating really beautiful environments. Yeah, that are offices, that are stores, retail, because everything is facing this hospitality, uh, this hospitality perspective. Yeah, I think that's also sort of like I don't want to say trend, but sort of like everyone want to uh, either their office or store or like a doctor office, make it more like have a more sense of hospitality in there. So, absolutely, look at look at having open offices. Five years ago, six, seven years ago open offices were the only thing people were doing because it was allowing them to have these like big lounge spaces big kitchens but we are turning away from open offices um at least here in the united states we're going back to having like what is considered closer to a cubicle something that's considered like a closed regular standard office um and it's because people want a little bit more privacy a little bit more quiet uh, it's culture and, you know, culture changes, space, spaces change uh, to reflect culture. Yeah. And I do want to get into more about, you know, the culture and your role at um, Eileen Studio. So, you know, what are, I want to know, like, what are some of the responsibilities like you have right now at work that you won't be able to do like in your past experiences? Sure. Um Island Studio is somewhere where we are, we're small, so everybody is still doing a little bit of everything. But my main, uh, my main responsibilities at the firm is as a design director is to really focus on management inside the studio. Um, I really want to be a resource for my team. Um, I create standards, design standards, technical standards. I review a lot of drawings. I help push our projects creatively. I try to really lead um, those those sessions of questioning. Like, is this going to be functional? Is this going to uh, look too much like the next thing? Like, we we really have those conversations frequently. We really push each other. Everyone um, pushes everyone else, which is incredibly important and something that I was not necessarily experiencing at previous firms. Um, and I am out there searching for new business. Um, I'm writing proposals. I'm, uh, doing resource management. I'm out there like trying to figure out if we're going to be able to take on XYZ new project. So that is definitely being part of the business, capital B, is something that I've 
<laughs> I've been striving for, and it's the difference between being um, a designer necessarily and somebody who's um, on, at, at that next that next step. And um, I really enjoy it. I feel like um, I have the power to propel us forward, and it's great. I feel like it's it's um, it's a huge motivation boost. Right. And that's very interesting that at Eileen Studio, you and the team are all sort of like part of the contract process, because normally at design agencies, right, there is a designated business person that deals with that. So, do you think that as a designer, you bring a new perspective to the contract process? And you know, since you have finished many projects and know everything that goes into it. Yeah, absolutely.、Um, I. I think as I've started to really understand the full relationship between the deliverables, the people who are doing the deliverables, the resources, right, and expressing the value and the importance of those to our clients, that like life cycle of the project,、um, it has been like the key that unlocks、uh, work, the true like workplace health. The true work-life balance, right? Like that's it. You really have to understand, and it's it's not easy. And I'm like I'm not like a master of it. But if I, as a, a designer who's still doing production, like I'm still writing specs, right?、Um, <laughs> I was writing specs yesterday. Okay. <laughs> if I'm still a full like somebody who has a perception of how long things take, and The skill set of our team, then I can write a accurate contract, an accurate proposal for our client, and I can also use maybe other resources like like a couple freelancers、um, who are part of our team. I can use our resources really well. I can use them to their fullest.、Um, then I also need to communicate to these resources, our team. This is what we need. This is when we need it by, and I'm part of the team. I'm on there. I'm doing that production too. So it is communication is number one,、um, and when the communication is not great, that's when you're going to see that work-life balance fail. But as long as everyone on the team can communicate, can say like, can quote unquote ring the bell, I can see this deliverable not working. I'm not going to be able to get it done in a few days. Help! Then we can resolve this situation.、Mm -hmm. That's really great. That as a director, you know, you try to create a healthy work environment and help every employee to have, you know, a work-life balance. And so, since we are on the topic,、um, could you tell us a little more about what's your style as a director?、Um, I really think that my style as a director, I try to be. As open as I can for everyone on the team to talk to whenever, but I think that I am usually the、uh, over communicator. I'm the one who's making the meetings. I'm the one who's like, "What's going on? Do you want to check in? Do you want to talk?"、Uh, and、um, not over over communicating, but I'm the one who、uh, wants to make sure that. People have their needs and their goals heard. I want to make sure that your questions are answered. 
and I want to make sure that you feel challenged. Um, I want to make sure you feel pushed. And if you feel overwhelmed, I want to take some of that off of you. Uh, that I really like uh, our relationship with any of our team, myself or Ashley, like it's mutual. We are mentoring, but mentorship goes both ways. Uh, we, I'm learning things from everybody on my team all the time. And I hope that I'm giving back uh, the same thing to them. That That is really like what opened up the even the notion of being a design director to me is, wow, mentorship is is so giving. Like I'm getting so much from this. Um, if I'm giving half of what I'm getting, then this is such a good, positive relationship. This is like what uh, a healthy, good work environment should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You also mentioned that you like to manage sort of like the deadline. And if someone speak out, like you can't finish it, like you try to help out. You wasn't trying to make people sort of like stay until like 11 or 12 or one, which is pretty standard. Like it's like a normal thing in our industry. Yes. <laughs> and I've, again, like um, uh, what is standard doesn't mean it's right. I've had jobs where I used to leave at like 9.30 p.m. and I had everyone in the room turn around and ask me where I was going. Just because it's been the case doesn't mean it should anymore. And if we are the ones who are in charge of writing contracts, who are in charge of managing expectations with the client, um, if we could make a small change to that contract, to managing those expectations. If we need to tell the client, can we get it to you Monday instead of Friday? If we can increase the level of communication, healthy, normal, adult communication, um, we can do that. Like, let's do it. Um, if, if our team can tell us this is not going to be done by Friday on Tuesday, we can fix it. Like, let's fix it. Uh, it's all about keeping that communication open. It's all about understanding that everybody is a human being who has regular human being lives and we all have like responsibilities outside of work, believe it or not. Um, we're all adults. Maybe some of us have families. Uh, we're, we're people like let's, um, let's be able to be great designers, exceptional designers, but also decent human beings. <laughs> I've, I've seen good designers um, get burnt out and leave mm -hmm. the entire mm -hmm. industry. I was at a point mm -hmm. in time myself where I was just like, I'm burnt out. I, I can't even think at the pace I was thinking, right? Like you feel a um, emotional and uh, uh, just a real tiredness that you, you feel as though like I'm changing uh, and I don't like the way I'm changing. I don't like the direction I'm going in. Um, I don't know if I can do this for another 10, 15, 20 years. <laughs> I don't want other people to feel that way. I don't want to feel that way. I want to be able to continue my relationship with this industry because I entered it, because I loved it. Um, I want to continue to love it. Um, if I need to change my relationship with the industry, let that happen. I don't mm -hmm. want to leave it. That's a very positive note, you know, that you're really 
uh, active and you're very positive about it. And you know, I do have one more question before we go into in the end. There's like some quick questions. So I do want to ask every guest、um, the same question in the end about their lucky break. So looking back, were there like moments or factors in your life that help you to be at where you are right now? That's sort of like due to a lucky chance. Okay, so I I graduated college like right after a huge recession. Oh gosh. And Um, I started interviewing for jobs one week after I graduated, and I I interviewed for this first job.、Um, it was probably like my second or third interview, and I got it off of Craigslist. So I think I I don't know if it's a lucky break, but I got that job and I hung on to it for three years, and that's where I worked under this very awesome architect. I. Had that job and it was in hospitality, like some extent. I did nightclubs in like the meatpacking district for years, and I did some residential there too,、um, just to kind of like pay the bills. They did some residential. It was a very small firm, but working designing nightclubs、um, in the meatpacking district was by far the most wild. Job I've ever had.、Um, I have the most crazy stories, and it was like I would never take it back. It's such a it's such a wild、um, time that yeah, I look back on it and I'm like, how did I do that? How did I work at that job?、Um, but I just like held on to it. I'm like, I know I'll have trouble getting another job. So I think it was not necessarily maybe a lucky break, but it was a break, and it it. Did set me off on the hospitality path. Like currently,、right. I'm like I do know I want to do this. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like I look back and I I laugh and laugh and laugh now. That's so interesting. You got sort of like the reason you sort of like entered the hospitality industry where you are right now is from a Craigslist post. Yeah, I loved hospitality, but I wasn't quite sure it was right for me. And then I got into it, and I ended up like working at this like super small firm that was an offshoot. It, essentially, it was two partners. One was that architect, and one was a designer. They were an offshoot of iCrave.、Mm. Uh, it was one of the partners of iCrave left、oh. iCrave to do this. Yeah, and it was like above one of the nightclubs he had designed. So it, I was constantly like. Over a nightclub, working with nightclub people, and I was like 21 and so naive. <laughs> um, yeah, and there were like celebrities there all the time, and because it was like the heyday of uh, like brunch in the meatpacking district. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Well, you know, like in the end, so I always ask my guests sort of like five questions because I'm just always curious to learn what other designers like. So the、so、first one is, who are your favorite interior designers or architects? That's really hard. I think、um, they're all probably uh, not present, uh, not present working. I think I always go back to Alvar Aalto、um, as my my number one influence because、uh, it's he's so versatile in、uh, all his work and he is always encompassing all. Of the environment, everything is paid attention to the the banister, the the light, the chair, absolutely everything.、Um, and I am a huge fan of Russell Wright, which is Frank Lloyd Wright's son,、um, because he he designed a lot of tableware. He designed some furniture, 
but uh, Russell Wright was like this huge proponent of design being for everyone. He was the first like high designer that was sold in department stores and at a price point that everybody could afford. And it, it's so inspiring. Like when I started reading about him, um, it, it made me feel like, like I want to do that. Like I want to create furniture um, that is someday going to be saleable to the public. I think that's great. Hmm, that's amazing. Um, to make design, you know, accessible. Absolutely, yeah, accessible, especially something that feels designed. It feels right. unique and special for you. Right. And so the next question is, who are your favorite sort of like furniture brand? God, that's so hard. Oh, it, I I think I'm I'm just really attached to vintage. So I I almost can't answer that because I will uh, troll vintage favorite vintage sites i'll troll um uh, like auction websites um and i'll usually for at least for myself uh like personally i'll buy from there as far as like vintage goes i highly recommend like collage is um a website that's great uh jackson's is a website that's great i think they're both swedish but they have some of the most uh well curated uh, collections that uh, I think they, they've they kind of been around for years too and every time I go on the website I'm like wow it's definitely something that would probably be well suited to residential but it is just um, they're they're pieces of art they're beautiful they're um, they're hand-painted Arne Jacobson cabinets they're gorgeous yeah mm -hmm. and what are some of the materials you like to work with um, everything. Yeah. I like it. That's tough. I, I like any sort of natural material that has, uh, its own character. Um, I'm all about like materials that kind of speak on their own, right? So wood speaks on its own. It feels very honest. Um, metals like brass, steel, they, they have their own character. Um, and stone has its own character. I think working with those materials is always going to be the most successful because you're not trying to uh, paint over to put a different visage on on a material. You're really letting it be honest and speak for itself. Mm -hmm. And what's your favorite hotel? Oh, that's tough. That is tough. Um, I think kind of in New York, my favorite hotel to hang out in around is uh freehand new york um i i worked on freehand in miami and chicago but uh, i have friends that did freehand new york and i think it's just so everything it has a little bit of everything for everyone like it has great food it has great places to just hang out it has great atmosphere great drinks um it's good in the winter the bar on the roof is good in the summer uh and i think it's especially a good snapshot of new york and um i've lived in new york for a very very long time so i think uh, i i really love the way that it it kind of takes the city in it and a last question so how do you decompress Ooh. Uh, <laughs> um let's see so uh, especially now that we're 
still at home due to COVID. I walk my dog. I walk him on a very regimented schedule. And I think that's a great way for anybody to break up their day. If you have a dog, uh, just make sure that uh, they, they're up for it. I think some days I tire him out. Uh, and I'm a huge like skincare beauty enthusiast. Um, I think that's- a, I can tell. <laughs> you look so Thank good. You. And I eat. There, I eat. Eating is really important. I like to eat. Whenever I'm not working, I'm probably moisturizing, eating, and walking the dog. Boom. See, that, that's what people need to do. I'm living. Yeah, for sure. Well, oh my God, this is so much fun. I had a great time just like catching up with you and talk to you. And thank you for, you know, coming to the Right Angle Podcast and speak with me. Thank you so much for having me on the Right Angle Podcast. It's such a privilege. We really appreciate it. I, I, we, I talked to Ashley about it and she really appreciates the opportunity to speak about Island. And I loved catching up with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Red Angle Podcast. If you like this episode, subscribe and review us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can stay connected with us through Instagram at the Red Angle Podcast or reach out to me personally at LO Design. I linked everything about my guests in the show notes, so please go check it out. Thanks again for listening and see you guys next Wednesday.